to this episode of the Free Thinker Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tyler Vela. On this episode of the show, we will start part one of a conversation that I have with my friend, Corey Markham. But before I introduce what the content for this episode is, I would like to point you to a couple of podcasts that I've recently been interviewed for. I had a recent appearance on the Bible-thumping Wingnut Show, where we discussed my book, Measuring McAfee, which is available on Amazon and Kindle, as well as some other issues related to my episode recently on Calvinism as an apologetic. So if you're interested in those topics, head on over to the Bible-thumping Wingnut. I also was recently uh, interviewed on an episode of the Ordinary Pastor podcast on the role of apologetics for pastoral ministry. So for those of you who are pastors or in pastoral ministry in the audience, head on over to the Ordinary Pastor to check out that content as soon as it's released later this week. I was also invited back onto my friend Jake Farwarton's show, the Imaginary Friend Show podcast, to discuss what value the Bible has for the atheist. So if you're interested in that, check out the Imaginary Friend Show. I also uh, have recently had a guest segment on the podcast Genesis to John the Revelator as part of their No Apologies Apologetic series. So really a lot of great appearances for you to check out uh, on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast content from. I'm also right now, as I record, wearing a rockin' t-shirt given to me by my friends over at the Hope for the Journey podcast. Uh, Hope for the Journey covers a ton of really interesting uh, discussions uh, and issues related to basically anything in or about or around the Christian life. Uh, So head on over to Hope for the Journey uh, on iTunes and check them out. And as always, if you enjoy the Freed Thinker podcast and the content that we put out, please consider partnering financially with us. Your gift of any amount is really greatly appreciated. Head on over to Patreon or follow the links on the blog to support us via Podbean. If you can't afford us uh, or just don't want to support us financially, that's fine, but please review the show on iTunes. The ratings really help the show with better positions when people search for similar content. Well, with that, let's dive right into this episode and my discussion on moral philosophy with Corey Markham. For those of you who don't know who Corey is, Corey grew up in central Illinois, where he received his bachelor's degree in philosophy and religious studies from Bradley University. After graduation, Corey got into an MA program in religious studies at the University of Illinois, but had to eventually decline the spot in the program because of really just some life situations. He hopes to start that master's program back up again soon, but in the meantime, he currently hosts a blog over at atheistrepublic.com and has an article published in a recent issue of Skeptic Magazine on near-death experiences. He is recently uh, in the beginning stages of starting up a podcast with a pastor out here in LA by the name of Drew Sokol that will explore historical, philosophical, and really any issue they find interesting concerning the life of Jesus. Corey has been on the Unbelievable program in a debate about intelligent design, and he will be on the show again in the upcoming weeks to debate the problem of evil. I'm a little bit jealous. Uh, I've never been on Unbelievable, and he's been on it twice. (laughs) Uh, So Corey's a great guy to talk to, and we're privileged to have him on the show. So with that, enjoy this episode where I discuss moral philosophy with Corey Markham. 
So, uh, Corey, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on the Free Thinker. Uh, thanks so much for having me on the show. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, I think uh, some of the people um, in the Facebook group or, or from uh, who are friends with me personally on Facebook would have seen you um, kind of comment here and there and around. You've you've been you've been commenting on the group for a while now. Um, I I don't think I've asked. How did you find? The, were we like in a? Di- I don't remember. Were we in a different group together? How did you find the the group? That's actually a really good question. I was wondering that myself. I'm I'm guessing that it would have it would have started on the unbelievable Facebook page. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but I I would think it, that I probably came across you on there or vice versa. Um, and to be honest, I don't even recall if I had sent you a friend request <laughs> first or, or if it was the other way around. I just I just know that you know you sort of stood out to me as being sort of my the polar opposite to me, uh, the sort of the theistic version, if you will, where. Uh, I, you know, like you, I kind of feel that I'm somewhat outspoken, and I really, really like to engage in these matters. Um, and yeah, so you, in that way, counterintuitively, it kind of you know drew, kind of drew me to you. And so yeah, so like I a think flame I just, to the moth, or moth to the flame. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> perhaps. Yeah, uh, I I remember. Uh, I mean, we had we had discussed a little bit, and, and I don't think I knew that you were a blogger for a while. Um, and, and you had, I think you had been commenting in the group for a little bit. And then I also like found at the same time, um, I don't know if you posted or someone else posted this, this is a really bad lead in cause I don't remember any of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you had some, you, you had an article that you had written a long time ago on morality. Um, and we had discussed a little bit and I was like, well, you know, why don't I just, why don't I just give uh, a full response? So I, so I wrote up a full article and then you responded to that. Uh, and I, and I think, uh, I still need to write up my rejoinder to your rejoinder uh however many steps removed that is yeah and then from you know and then perhaps after that there'll be another one coming your way who knows Uh, yeah i think right i think that probably is correct that probably was what maybe initiated it and then maybe the unbelievable facebook page was second i just know that you know it's whenever we really kind of uh got got into it and really started to get to know each other in the facebook realm yeah. As for better or worse, you know. <laughs> for, in this for, case, for I, for in this all. case, clearly for better, I would say. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, anyone anyone who's in the group or has been around knows that Corey uh, and I disagree um, uh, on on worldview issues, on on philosophical issues, on all kinds of things. But one of the reasons why Corey is is uh, so great in the group is um, he he's uh, very clearly a, a clear thinker. Um, he, he's not someone, um, and this is what I appreciate about, you know, I, I like people like you in the group, you know, you're not posting just angry memes and, and caricatures and, and things like that. You're, you're, um, you're a very, you're a very nice guy. You're a very genuine guy wanting to have these, wanting to have these, you know, they're serious conversations. We can have fun while we're doing them. Sometimes my sarcasm comes off a little bit. Uh, more bullish online <laughs> than probably how I mean it, uh, but um, but it, it's been good. It's been good having you in the group and and uh, and having some of these discussions. So I was I was glad uh, to get you on the show uh, and to hear um, that you're going to go back on the unbelievable show uh, again soon. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I know. I, oh, it, it is. I I love it too. I just Justin is such an awesome host. He's you know he does such a great job at at that his job. Um, just the first time I was on there, I was just sort of like, I, as I said, I was kind of starstruck. I'm like, oh my god, I'm sitting here in my kitchen and I'm talking to Justin Briley, you know? Like yeah. it was 
yeah, it was really cool. Uh, but I, I, man, you're making me blush over here. All of this, all of this comments and all these this positive stuff you're launching at me. Maybe you're just softening me up for what what's to come later. I, I don't know. I am. I'm tenderizing. Yeah, I should be suspicious, but no, I I appreciate your the way, also the way you know you described it as being somewhat bullish, but. Um, it it reminds me of a point you had made in another conversation conversation we were having where, you know, having another person um, of a different viewpoint that is willing to engage in conversation with you, and furthermore, that is willing to be blunt about it, right? That isn't going to beat around the bush on these issues is really helpful because uh, it really does make you buckle down and and really really examine uh the views that you that you would otherwise perhaps take for granted and so yeah i appreciate the way that you know the the demeanor that you have on there and it's actually you also are you know you're it's pretty entertaining too i gotta say even when i'm on the the you know the brunt end of it <laughs> it's, i enjoy it so yeah so I, anyway i'm i'm just i'm super happy to be here on the show to talk with you man Good. so Good. it's an honor I'm glad to have you. It's funny. It's funny you said that about Justin. My wife and I will have conversations sometime. We we live kind of around the Hollywood area, like the hills, where some celebrity lives, and you know she'll come home and be like, "I saw Matthew McConaughey in the grocery store," <laughs> and I'm like, "You you have no idea. Bill Craig likes something on my Facebook." So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's just kind of a different uh, different view on celebrity. Um, so uh, so let's get into it. So I'm, I'm having you on the show. We're going to talk about a couple different issues. Um, primarily, we want to talk about the the problem of evil or, or problems of evil. You're going to have a couple that we're going to talk about. Um, go through go through some of those views. You'll present um, uh, what you think are some of the the better versions of those arguments. Maybe uh, how how uh, good or strong you think they are um, against different uh, uh, theistic conceptions. Um, but but I but I had mentioned and this is where I'd like to start. I, I had mentioned that you know um, in my experience talking about problems of evil typically we're we're going to muddy our hands in issues of just moral philosophy it's uh it's bound to come up i know you had some reservations about that but in in doing this for uh over a decade now uh i'm hard pressed to think of a time where i've had conversations about uh problem of evil where uh, morality was not um if not explicit, at least an implicit uh, driving uh, concept un- underneath um, problems of evil. So I'd, I'd like to start on that a little bit. Um, we have talked before, um, but our you know my audience may not be privy to all of our conversations, so this might be a rehashing for us, but it'll be new for everyone else listening. Uh, why don't um, I, well let me let me start. Out. I, I think typically our conversations start out because I'll say something like, uh, "I think that naturalism, which you already don't like, the fact that I say you're a naturalist, uh, <laughs> that that naturalism, uh, I think logically entails moral nihilism uh, or, or or ethical non-realism." Um, for the, for those listening, um, that that's the view that morality just is, um, uh, for lack of a better word, it's just wish fulfillment. It's um, uh, it's our it's our subjective desires, preferences, wants that uh, that when we when we make certain moral statements, um, they are uh, what Nietzsche would call power grabs. They are the exertion of ourselves uh, over and against others. Um, I've argu- I've argued all over the place um, that that I think that um, atheism, um, because it's a naturalistic position, uh, entails moral nihilism now that that rubs you the wrong way so why is it that 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 is a, a view that you um disagree with to to say it blandly 
Well, I, I said, let me, if you, if you would allow, maybe we could first just get into this, uh, this issue that we always seem to run into yeah. about naturalism and atheism, um, just at first, at least briefly, and then that sort of segues into into what you're what you kind of directly asked me there. Um, like I, I, it seems to me that atheism um, does necessarily follow from naturalism. So what I mean is that if I – if you say you had someone who is a naturalist, it, it seems to follow, therefore, that they're an atheist because um, by definition – you know, very loose definition. We could, we could have a podcast episode just about definitions on, yep. this, on these issues. But, uh, so I do think that um, atheism does follow, uh, follow from naturalism because, again, a naturalist is, uh, is, is saying that there is no such thing as a supernatural essentially. And gods, you know, by, of course, are supernatural. And so it seems to follow from naturalism, um, or atheism does seem to follow from naturalism. But I, I would say that it doesn't necessarily go the other way around. So, in other words, to say that I am an atheist, and I do affirm atheism, at least in, um, in the sense that I define the term atheism, um, I, it doesn't seem to me that as an atheist I'm ne- necessarily a naturalist. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I mean, one thing to point out would be that um, – Again, atheism is simply this position on on the existence of God, right? And so it's at least conceivable that I could reject the existence of God, um, all gods even, and still in some way believe in some sort of supernatural realm. And or in, in other words, I don't. I, maybe another way to put it would be like I don't think supernaturalism necessarily entails um, God or the gods. And I, I mean, you. I mean, maybe. Right off the bat, we're just this is going to be an issue where we're just not going to be able to, you know, we're just going to have to agree to disagree on. But, uh, you know, for for fear of you know spending too much time on it. But I mean, what what would you what what would you say at least about that initial point that I do think that atheism, um, you know, follows from naturalism, but not perhaps not that naturalism follows from from atheism. Yeah, um, I. I mean, we could do we could do shows and shows and shows. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, there is there is the the never ending shows that we could do on on some of these definitions. Um, I'm lar- so part of the problem is is that um, we may be working on um, different definitions of naturalism uh, and and atheism, um, and and that that could be where some of the disagreement yeah. is is going to come from. Um, and, and part of the disagreement could could also come from the fact that um, even if so, we'll get into this when we get into morality. But I think that that I think that the issue for me, um, why I came out of naturalism and, and kind of lump a whole bunch of views under naturalism um, that might not be consider themselves naturalists, like I, I, I would I would lump yours under there, um, is that there's a there's yeah, a there's yeah. a grounding issue. So we're going to get into this when we talk about morality and, and axiomatic right. claims and things like that. Um, so so um, I, when when we say you know I could be a naturalist even though I hold to another supernatural realm. Well, I mean, in that sense, I'm going to say, well, no, you're just, you're, you know, there's there's just more in the in the cosmos, maybe functioning under different natural principles, different natural laws that govern that, but it's still going to be um, a, a kind of a broadly naturalistic structure where you're yeah. you're, you're governed that way. It, it's it I, the the difference here might be the difference between uh, it, it might be a better way of saying it rather than supernaturalism and naturalism. It may be better to say uh, intentionality and unintentionality. Um, or something, something along those lines. Uh, if you're, if you're at all familiar with how intentional functions um, in in philosophical language, yeah. Um, so that that might be the issue, and because we, you know, for for those that listening, Corey and I have had uh, many, a lot of discussions also on on how to ground the laws of logic. 
Uh, we're not going to spend the time going into it on, on this episode uh, by any means, but maybe I'll have you back in the future for that one. Um, but but there's, there's a certain point where um, I, I think that when you come up to a certain position, being able to either give, give a valid explanation that grounds the existence uh, of whatever you are talking about or being able to defend the position that that just is the ground of existence um, is is going to be an important metaphysical question. And I think that theism, uh, the existence of God functions in theism um, to answer those questions in a way that naturalistic worldviews just – they don't have a candidate um, that functions the same way. So, um, so even if you're even if you're explaining, um, you know, a broad naturalism like you, where you're not saying, look, the the material universe is all there is. You know, you might not be a materialist, but I think if I pushed you, if I if I scratched the surface, we would find out really that that real the the cosmos might be a multiverse. There might be something else beyond, but it's still it's still not what we would consider. Um, I don't know, a, a necessarily existent something. You're, you're still going to have grounding issues. You're still going to have, um, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. Re- reduction issues. There, there's going to be other things because there's, there's no candidate to, to function as a grounding. I don't know if that, if that, that might be a kind of too abstract, too much of a divergent issue. No, no, I, no, I think that, I, I mean, I think maybe it'll help to sort of like lay out or flesh out sort of some of my motivation for why I'm so reluctant to consider myself or to even call myself a naturalist and part of it is just that i think um i think it's almost i i for you know i, I for fear i don't want to offend too many of my fellow <laughs> atheists scare quote naturalists but almost to depending on how assertive or, or you know strident they are and and claiming to be a naturalist and asserting their naturalism it all it would almost seem philosophically naive in that um if anything if i've learned anything from my studies in philosophy and religious studies is that you know, we when it gets to the really hard issues, we have to be really skeptical and really, really careful. Especially when you know coming across people that would claim to you know have really absolute uh, knowledge about this stuff. And so, I, so I, is your concern then um, maybe that that um, what what historically has been called uh, naturalism, it's just not a good term anymore because uh, naturalism has come to mean something like the absolute certain denial of anything beyond the material world. Well, but part part of that, part of that, yes, and then part of it also is that, like, depending on who, again, who's who's expressing it, like, sometimes this, uh, I, Michael Shermer almost sounds as though it's it's almost like a a tautology, in that he would say that it's just all there is is the natural world, and anything that would seem supernatural, even if we could never actually know for sure, if it's just we're just epistemically cut off from that. Um, even then, that it would essentially be na- something that's natural, right? In such a way that when or if we were able to be able to understand it and explain it, we would find that it has natural explanation. And, and I think that, first of all, is just super problematic for obvious reasons, right? Because we're just sort of just kind of begging the question and assuming it is the case. And But also, I, I what I mean is just like I my position on the the existence of God. There are different issues, but it's not simply that I I, I don't think you know that that I think the the, su- the existence of the supernatural is just absurd, you know, at right. the, at face value or something like that. Like I don't I don't think that you know. It's just um, I hate to you know just kind of repeat what so many people would say in this position, but I just have have yet to be convinced by any any sort of evidential claims, um, you know, to the contrary. And right. so yeah, and so that but. Okay, so again, it's sort of this is we could talk about naturalism and atheism forever, and I, I just, I, I just at least wanted to stress to the listeners of your show that you know I don't, 
I don't, even though from this point on, I'm happy to sort of operate on a sort of, you know, I'm, I'm a naturalistic, quasi-naturalistic uh, viewpoint where you can just assume that's what I'm, that's what I'm coming from. I at least want them to know that I, you know, I'm not, not completely comfortable with, with, you know, taking that label on. Uh, what, what, what label would you, I mean, I, for, I'm a gracious host, you know, let's, let's, <laughs> let's call it what, I mean, would you, would you feel comfortable with, uh, more along lines of just saying uh, non-theistic? Would, would that be? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, sure. If, if, if in, in saying that I'm an atheist, if that is, you know, if that just, to you and to so many people is just going to necessarily imply that I'm a naturalist and and then if saying that I'm a non-theist doesn't imply that in that way then yes that's that's probably what I would rather go one of my one of my things I would say is that part of the part of the we, it seems so silly how much we get caught up in with what labels we ascribe to each other and to ourselves right I mean I my issue is I just want people to understand my views as best as possible and so whatever term or word they use to describe that is kind of fine by me insofar as it's not offensive <laughs> <laughs> right and, right. and non-humorous. If it's funny and offensive, well, that's okay. But. Well, there's a little value there. Yeah, there uh, you go. <laughs> all right, so so um, let's let's really briefly. I mean, uh, I'd like to spend the bulk of our time um, talking about problems of evil. I think that's going to take up a, a, a bunch of time. Um, but problems of evil, um, and, and we'll 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 get into you know the specific versions that that you want that you'd like to present. Problems of evil typically. In my experience, operate with the assumption of some type of moral realism. Um, now, part now part of my complaint is going to be, well, I I, I think that uh, many many um, for for lack of a better word, uh, non theistic uh, moral nihilists or subjectivists or or consequentialists or how however they want to they you know they and 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 you know the label that you'll you'll get into here in a second yeah, um, yeah. however they want to define it um part of me wants to say well well look they 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 speak better than they know at a certain point uh you know there there there's there's a there's a certain sense where um we can't do life without the assumption uh of objective moral realism which you know for me is is partially evidence of of the fact it'd be like it'd be like trying to 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 have a worldview where you denied the material world uh by you know uh, any any appeals whatsoever to the material world um but, but so so when I when I'm dealing with problems of evil, I, I'm seeing that that there's a certain assumption of moral realism um, because there's a certain assumption that um, not not necessarily that that and that suffering is bad, um, but that if God allowed suffering, He would be doing something bad. Um, Rich- Require moral knowledge of some sort, right? Right. So, so I, you know, I'm not sure how you could you could have a problem of evil go through without at least some type of agreement or assumption, or for the sake of argument reasoning, um, that that has some type of moral uh, knowledge or, or understanding in line. So, so that's kind of why yeah. I want to talk about um, the the moral yeah. claim. Yeah. So. Um, so I so I'll say that you know, and I've argued that I think non-theistic um, worldviews logically entail moral nihilism because I don't think they I, I think they have a grounding problem. I don't think that they have and they they don't have the resources able to ground um, what would be needed for morality to be real. Um, for here, ignoring the question of if it's objective or not. Um, but but there's there's no resource for that. So why don't you why don't you kind of um, I, I know you don't 
your your views. By the way, for those listening, Corey has has um, uh, let me know that this these these are the beta versions. He hasn't completely worked out his his you know views on this, and that's and that's fine. We're all a work in progress. We all you know I I don't I I don't claim to have it all hammered out. I've, if I hear a plausible argument, I hopefully I would uh, change my mind in proportion in proportion to reason. Um, but so so Corey's going to be presenting something here. But you know if you if if you're listening to the unbelievable show or you're listening to something you know a year from now and Corey maybe says something that's different than right now, don't <laughs> hold his feet to the fire. All right, this Please is you know. So you know we we all work through these issues. So, uh, but as of, as of right now, kind of what are some of your thoughts on on grounding um, moral realism, or if moral realism is is um, true, necessary, all you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, we're gonna, and I'm sure if all works out as planned, we're, we'll get into uh, this at some point. And what I want to say first of all, just real quick, is that I don't uh, personally. I think that counterintuitively, I think you can in fact run the problem of evil argument without actually affirming moral realism. Or essentially, I think that it doesn't really matter whether you're a moral uh, realist or a non-realist, nihilist, objectivist, etc. I think you can run the argument, and, and there, I think there are a couple of good reasons why that is the case. But, but I mean, we'll, maybe we'll get to that maybe as we go, and especially. Especially if I if I can't uh, you know come up with any sort of <laughs> reasonable um, naturalistic ethical framework, in which case, yeah, I'll just I'll just jump back to that. But before that, I mean, I I suppose that before kind of laying out what I would think would be a, the, a good way in which a secular-minded person could uh, could come up or to uh, conceive of or to have an understanding of a, a robust sense of moral uh, moral value and morality, maybe a few few uh, preliminary excuse me prelim- preliminary points if I could talk. Uh, let me sort of maybe a few pr- uh, preliminary points I could get out uh, of the way right off the bat. And the first would be just to say that kind of as you already said, Tyler. I mean, I. Right as of right now, uh, I'm I'm neither affirming moral real, moral realism nor rejecting it, um, and that sounds silly. And I'm not trying to do the Dillahanty Dil- <laughs> dodge, as we as you know, I've, I've been accused several times now. Uh, <laughs> I I'm just saying I, what I really is just saying is that I there are days where I lean more in one direction, and there are days where I lean more in the other direction. Um, and I and part of that again is that I think. You know, I there have been atheists and and correct me if I'm wrong, but theists as well on both sides of this debate. Um, you know, it seems to me that there are plenty of atheists who affirm uh, the view of Russell, Sartre, Nietzsche, uh, Nietzsche, and Mackey. Uh, the sort of atheism entails moral non-realism. Uh, you being one of the theists that would affirm that, right? But but there seems to me that there are clearly atheists and theists who who would not affirm that. Um, and I mean, just. Off the top of my head, some of the atheists that, for instance, that are particularly influential on me would be people like uh, the ethicist uh, Shelley Kagan and the philosopher Sam Harris. Um, and there's a kind of a newer philosopher in this area. His name is Eric Willenberg, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. And yeah. those would be some of the atheists, right, who would, who would um, whether or not they're correct, you know, they would take a sort of moral realist stance. Uh, they're, on this, they're, they're, not, they're not correct. Okay, well, and and, <laughs> no, and, sorry, listen, and and that's what I mean. I mean, I, yeah. I, that's I'm. There are certain issues, especially with some of the stuff that Sam Harris talks about, where I, even though I'm a big fan of him in particular, like just think he's just a fantastic writer, and regardless of what he's talking about, uh, I feel, I'm just fascinated by it. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm. You know, if they're wrong, then they're wrong, and I'm. I really want to. I want to. I want to have my beliefs be, to be as accurate as possible. You know, I want them to correspond to reality as much as I can. Um, but you know, and also, also, I would say something like, 
it seems to me that there are I, I, I should be able to uh, must rep more than just one uh, uh, but I can you know like Richard Swinburne would seem to me and again correct me if I'm wrong would seem to be an, uh, an example of a theist who would take a sort of view such that moral truths and I think I would assume also that he has a sort of a, he would have a similar view on logical truths so maybe I'm wrong there but that these that these are necessary truths and we'll get into that here in a little bit because I think that's part of the way we could uh, we could um, muster up a secular view on this but but yeah I think he would take that sort of view that they're necessary truths such that even if it uh, even if uh, the God did not exist they would still uh, per- obtain and just you know, in, this, in other words they're not contingent upon anything even even God um, but um, you know that said like, like I said I'm not I'm, I'm really not convinced either way for sure about this and I, I, I obviously you know subjectively emotionally there's a strong urge in me and desire to try to find a way right to make reasonable ethics under under a godless uh, view right i mean i'm not going to lie of course that on some level that's just i really want it to be the case um but i'm also i'm also keenly aware of that desire and that itself makes me skeptical right because i don't it's clearly clearly you and i think most people would agree that you know that whatever happens to be you know whatever we desire to be the case is not necessarily the case so uh, so I'm, you know, that's one of the reasons that kind of pushes uh, pushes back on uh, on my desire to try to make reasonable uh, an atheistic understanding of morality. But I mean, yeah. maybe uh, go. You have anything? Because I've got plenty more. But maybe maybe we'll just. You have anything about that? Just you know. Yeah, I I, I think for me and and people who have listened to this show or or heard me as a guest on uh, Bible Thumping Wingnut or or um, you know some other shows talking about this. Um, this is this is a particularly a salient point for me because when when I came out of atheism, when I came out of naturalism, um, the moral argument was um, what that was that that was the linchpin. I mean that that's that was the the position that that did it for me. I was I was uh, an atheist in college, and I was it was actually my atheistic philosophy professor uh, in my metaphysics class going through some of the arguments for the existence of God. Went through the moral argument. Uh, and I and I remember studying through it and, and thinking about it. Uh, it took me, you know, uh, quite quite a while. But there there came a point where I was like, you know what? And this is this is honestly why I use this example. I, I don't use it because it's like a it's like a gotcha or it's an emotionally you know charged uh, example. But but I use this example because it, it's it, it was honestly the the striking point for me was uh, yeah. you know I, I looked around, I looked around uh, some of the issues and I said look. I can't. I cannot find a possible way to ground uh, objective morality on a naturalistic worldview. But at the same time, I'm absolutely certain that it is that it is uh, evil and wrong to uh, rape, molest, and torture a small child. Like like my 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 certainty of that was more sure than than uh, than than any evidence the, the certainty of any evidence that could be contrary to that position like like any evidence or yeah. any, any premise that would be used to support a position contrary to that would be less certain than the evidence of of, of uh, that fact itself which which you know as a parallel example i think um, this is largely why i reject kind of um you know a, a matrix view of the world because i i think that any evidence um uh Unless it's unless it's direct evidence, someone you know actually waking me up from the matrix. But any evidence for for kind of a non uh, non realism to the material world 
if it's just based on an argument, which which I mean, largely ethical uh, and moral arguments have to be, um, any premise is going to be less obvious than you know the the my desk sitting in front of me, right? So so yeah. there 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 just came a point where I said you know there whatever argument someone can present to me for naturalism, um, it's gonna be it's gonna be less certain than uh, the the position that that you know raping or molesting or torturing a small a small child for fun and profit is is evil and wrong yeah well i I think there's there's so much to go get you to go with that just run already but like the moral argument is one of those arguments where again i i think on some level it's obviously persuasive uh, on certainly on an emotional level it's funny because this is similar to some of the the critiques that someone like Craig, for instance, would use against atheists running the problem of evil, right? They would just say that it's an emotional argument. There isn't any logical problem. But I, so emotionally, I, I, it does obviously seem to be the case that certain, certain things are wrong. Um, and it seems to be the case even that, you know, that it's absolutely the case and there's no way that it couldn't, that, that, that couldn't be the case, right? But it does seem on some level, and I know in our little our responses back and forth in our blogs, we get into this, but Maybe this is where we can actually get into it in, in person, right? Like, it does seem, in some level, though, that the, the moral argument is trying to move from uh, moral uh, intuitions and moral epistemology to moral ontology, right? To the actual uh, objective fact that there are things that are wrong, and and so I think that we can um, we can at least come up with a conceivable explanation as to why we have these moral intuitions and. And even furthermore, why they're so strong, and why you know, because I mean, you they would need to be strong in order to, uh, you know, in order order to motivate us to act accordingly, right? But, um, but I think we can anyway. I think we can come up with the reasonable, uh, conceivable explanation of the as to why we have those moral intuitions under a sort of e- uh, evolutionary um, framework. And and again, it doesn't. It's not even the case that someone has to agree that evolution is true or something like that, right? I mean, it's just to say that if it was true, that would that would at least seems to me would. Um, would provide explanation as to why we have this this incredibly strong sense uh, that um, whenever we come across things right that are just so awful that you know that we we conceive of them as being wrong and, and moral right and and so I don't I don't know I that this is part of the thing where I, again I emotionally intuitively I I'm right there with you I think it's it's clearly the case um, that certain things are wrong. Um, and leaving aside what we're going to get into in a little bit, right? You actually get into defining it a little bit more clearly. What we mean, you know, I think it, I don't. It's hard for me to imagine, you know, um, it's hard for me to imagine anything otherwise, right? But I guess my problem is that I don't. I, I'm not. I'm reluctant to move from that sense that I have to the actual reality, the fact of the matter. Like, because I, at the same time, you know, I don't see. It doesn't seem to me that in terms of like the universe or something like that. That there are these like moral laws, right? That are just somehow woven into the very fabric of the cosmos, and I, I it doesn't that that's what sort of that kind of uh, it's the obstacle for me in the moral argument, and that's leaving aside also too. I mean, you, I'm sure you you're familiar with the fact that the moral argument has a lot has a lot of uh, critics and and in other ways. I mean, a lot of people would just simply reject the first premise. Again, that's part of what I was saying at, right at the bat, right? That including atheists and theists, some people would reject the idea that without God you don't have objective morality and then others would simply do away with the moral argument by doing what I don't want to do right by just admitting that yeah well you're right there is no such thing as objective morality and then just say you know therefore there is no God and 
Uh, again, I don't want to do that, right? But I don't. It, in, in terms of my just my sort of uh, initial uh, simplistic response and reaction to the moral argument, it doesn't it doesn't really do much for me, uh, you know. Right. It's used a lot in apologetic circles, and it's a good argument and easy argument to run in debates. But I don't think it doesn't seem to me that it you know that it's in certain terms of academia or philosophical journals say um, that it you know that it's considered to have all that much merit to it. Right. So, so let's, so let's run, uh, restaurant this. So you, you mentioned things, um, you mentioned moral epistemology and, and, and moral ontology. So, um, for those who have listened to the show before, I, I've talked about this before. Um, uh, you can go back through the back catalog and, and listen to some of these. So moral epistemology is basically, um, how, it, it's our beliefs about, it's how we form our beliefs, uh, our, our ethical beliefs. It's, uh, moral intuition would be would be under there, and then moral ontology is the question of you know what is morality? Just what is, is it a human construct? Is it objective? Is it subjective? Uh, is it is it illusory? Right. So it, it's the question of of what is. Um, whereas the epistemological question is how do we know um, what is, or do we know that what is, uh, or can we know um, what is, and all those kinds of all those kinds of questions. So for for the moral argument, um, I think. Um, most most moral objectivists are going to say, well, um, moral intuition is is um, is a sense, just like uh, the sense of sight, uh, or sense of smell, or sense of taste. It, it's a way of engaging um, with the natural world. Um, there, there's um, a lot of times people will say, oh, well, you know, you can't defend intuition, right? Because you because in order to defend intuition, you have to appeal to the intuition. Um, I don't find that very convincing because um, so so imagine imagine I said well um, how do you know that the tree is outside and you said well by my sense of sight and I said well that doesn't tell me anything that you you can't you can't ground the ontology in your epistemology how do you know uh, that what you see is 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 what you see right uh, I, I'm not sure that we can ground uh, any of our epistemological or uh, of our empirical senses any differently than we could. Uh, our our moral sense. I, I think our moral sense is, is just the observation of the moral facts uh, of reality. How does how does that strike you? Well, I mean, it seems to me that there's some pretty obvious differences between like uh, our the sense data, say, like our sense organs, the sense data that we get from our eyes and ears and so on, um, and this this sort of vague, nebulous moral sense that we're appealing to. Right? I don't think. I mean, part of the problem I think is the sort of the elephant in the room. Right? Is that there is some very obvious discordance between uh, the different pe- the different uh, uh, moral viewpoints of people, right? And again, that doesn't prove that the that does because again, that would be to confuse moral epistemology with ontology. If I was to say, therefore, that you know morality doesn't exist or something like that, but in terms of using this running this analogy between the sense organs and the moral sense, I don't like the problem is that it, there there are a lot of people that very seem in my eyes to reasonably disagree about a lot of moral issues. And so it's not like it would almost be like the, it would the analogy for it to hold. You'd have to have you'd have to be that some people don't really agree that the tree is there, right? Or some people disagree about what the tree really is, or what how you know what color it is and and what shape it is and so on. And and well, so I think well we have disagreements like that though. I mean we yeah, we have yeah. we have people. I mean you're going to have people who are colorblind, and when you say the green is the tree is green, they're not going to know what you're talking about. There, uh, there there's a large degree where they're going to say, well, I just you know I. I take your word for it that it's green but it, it looks like every other blue object to me or, or i i think it's green and is it green and blue that it gets confused green and purple something uh that you know they're they're gonna say well you know i i just have a different 
observation of the world than than you have. Yeah, but <laughs> but again, I mean, you know, uh, 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 maybe another way to put this is like to sort of imagine like the solipsist, right? The the person, the radical skeptic, who's just going to deny that anything exists apart from himself, right? Like I th- I don't think I think it's reasonable for us to reject that and. And it, it, it seems to me I have a sort of properly basic belief that, you know, that that isn't the case, you know, that, that more than just me uh, is in existence. And um, again, I, I, I just don't think that maybe part of the problem is like that's a good another uh, good example apart from the, the colorblind thing would be, you know, the people have hallucinations. Right. And so people can see things that aren't really there. And, and so, I, I, you know, to some extent, I think the analogy holds. You know, I'm not denying that there aren't some, uh, aren't some uh, positive aspects and some salient ways in which the analogy can run. But, but still, though, I mean, I, it seems to me that, that in order for it to really work, we have to sort of, um, uh, you know, uh, conveniently ignore the extent to which people do disagree about, um, about the moral realm. And, and I think that uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, it seems to me that if if it was a little bit more uh, consistent, like around the around the world and throughout history, um, you know, I don't think maybe I would be wrong there. And and again, I'm not saying you know it's it's clearly the case that um, it's possible that there's such such a thing as moral progress, right? Where that maybe that we are striving towards an ultimate good that we'll eventually come to, but just in just in the the strict sense of trying to run this analogy between the sense data and the moral sense, like it, it doesn't really wash with me. It's a it's a very common. Uh, it's I think it seems to me that that's really the only justification that Craig tends to use, William Lane Craig, uh, when he runs his moral argument, and it a lot a lot of the a lot of the typical responses to that are just this. That it just seems you know well it, yeah it does seem to be the case that these things are wrong. But, uh, you know, I don't, it doesn't, <laughs> most people would, most atheists at least, and again, a lot, I think, I don't know how many theists, uh, maybe theologians and how many philosophers of religions who would say that the theists, it's, it seems to me that there's a, a you're few and far between uh, that would actually subscribe to the moral argument and use it as one of their, and they, that doesn't matter too, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm not appealing to authority, it right. just seems, it's interesting to me, right, to note that, among the more what I would say sophisticated and I, again I'm not trying to offend anyone but among the more sophisticated theists and believers it doesn't seem to be an argument that's taken all that seriously and certainly among you know among atheists and secular minded people it's it's just sort of scoffed at and that's a problem too I think uh, just, just how easily we uh, atheists want to just dismiss arguments from our fellow theists uh, without even really getting into it because yeah. even if the moral argument is uh, is wrong in the way I'm saying and even if that analogy doesn't really work for, um, it's still uh, it's still an important argument right because it makes us really it makes us really flesh out these moral intuitions that are running this um, and yeah yeah and see I but, would fall back and I would say well moral intuitions um, I, I would actually include moral intuitions just like our empirical senses uh, and I and I would hold that they're a properly basic belief I mean I, I think um, I, I I wouldn't claim that um, some certain belief about a very specific moral fact uh, is a properly basic belief, but um, I would argue that yeah. that moral intuition itself, as a sense, is a properly basic uh, belief. There, there's a certain sense where, um, uh, and, and my point of the analogy is, I'm not sure how you could defend your sense of sight in a different way. Um, then, then I can defend uh, my moral intuition. I mean, if you're looking at the tree, uh, I think that that how you would defend that you could trust your sight 
uh, right? You 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 might have you might have small variations. You you know you might you uh, you might have skews in your in your perception, uh, something like that. But I think largely you, you, that that would be defended against solipsism in the same way um, that I would that I would look at um, you know raping, molesting, assault child and say, look, if if you don't uh, if you don't observe that that's uh, I mean evil and 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 uh, objectively wrong. Um, then you're just the equivalent uh, morally of, of colorblind uh, or blind. Um, uh, I, th- I think that we're actually uh, there. There's a there's a moral realm within the within the cosmos, um, with within ourselves as persons um, that that our moral intuition uh, is attuned to and, and and is observant. And that intuition is is um, can be skewed. It can be distorted. It can be harmed. It can be deadened uh, in the same way that you know if I stared at the sun uh, for long enough, I could I could damage my my sense of sight. Um, so I, I, I think that there, that there is a, a difference there, but I want to go into, um, morality, morality. Uh, what, <laughs> yeah. what is it? So, so largely, um, what, what, um, what I want to get into is, is on, on non, on a non-theistic view. So you've mentioned, uh, evolution, for example, Sam, Sam Harris, uh, as an, as another example, his, his take on, on moralism, by the way, I cringe when you called him a philosopher, uh, but uh, <laughs> I, know, you know, I know I as most philosopher. <laughs> yeah, I uh, that 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 uh, I I almost I I almost physically felt pain. Um, <laughs> but uh, there there so so lay lay out of you because because I, I and and I and I've heard them before. I, I think I'm going to largely come back and say, well, that that just is uh, wish fulfillment. Uh, but you know maybe you can prove me wrong. Um, how is it on? And and and, yeah. and by the way, for the listeners. I completely agree with you that you don't have to prove that evolution is true, right? You just have to prove in order in order to disprove that that naturalism or non-theism entails nihilism. You just have to give a possible example where that's not the case, right? For the sake of argument, it doesn't. You don't have to defend it's true. This is going to be important as well because later on the problem of evil, when we talk about things like planning as free will defense uh, and, and the logic version of the problem of evil, I'm going to point out, look, I don't need to prove that it's true. I just need to prove there's no logical contradiction. I'm, I, yeah. I give you the same benefit of the doubt here. You, you don't need to prove to the satisfaction of my listeners that, that evolution is true. You just need to show that there is a possible way that you can draw a direct line from a non-theistic worldview, non-theistic foundation to a moral realism. Um, in order, in order for yeah. that to pass through. So, so go ahead, take take some take some uh, cuts at the plate, and uh, let's see how it goes. Well, so the first thing to just to make clear is that I'm certainly not arguing, and that would be hilarious if I was. Uh, and I would hope that you would just ridicule me, you know, to no end if I was ceaselessly. I'm certainly not arguing that um, that evolution uh, that or that we can point to evolution or in, in some way and derive objective moral value from that all my point in evolution was just uh and I, I think you get i think you get this but just to clarify so the li- listeners know that i'm not that naive i may be naive and they may that may be unleashed as we go through this but not that naive and so, so, so my point, by, by the way you, you've evolution- just you've just thrown about 90 percent of online atheists under the bus because <laughs> that is a, a that that is a very 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 common uh, uh, you know well we have morality because of evolution so uh, you know I I, I, I appreciate that but you will, uh, 
yeah, you you just uh, undermined uh, decades uh, of the work of people like Richard Dawkins. So uh, yeah. I I, st- I stand and <laughs> well, salute I stand yeah. and salute you for that. So thank you. Keep going. Sorry, well, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> No, no, no problem. Uh, and I, hey, especially if you're going to praise me. So by all means, interrupt and when you're going to praise me whenever you need to, buddy. But uh, no, okay. So I, my point on evolution was just to say that we can at least we can at least come up with a reasonable explanation as to why we have these moral intuitions about um, about the right and wrong. And so, and essentially, that would just be. I'm not going to get into it too much, but you know, I mean, we we are mammals that evolved in a social environment, and it would stand to reason, therefore, that um, inclinations, certain moral inclinations, let's call them, um, would be advantageous in that sort of scenario, and in such a way that it would make sense that you would have individuals, and you could, I would argue, maybe you could see sort of precursors to this sort of moral sense, moral intuition in other animals, especially some of the other primates, right? But so, but so, that, so actually, that, I want I want to touch on that point there because that because I think yeah, yeah, sure, I, I think sure. that I think that illustrates what I was trying to get to. So, so um, let's let's just let's just for the sake of argument. So, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying, look, it's it's not that morality came through evolution, uh, but maybe uh, our moral intuition or or our um, our sense of, um, of of moral worth, actions, values, whatever, had an evolutionary uh, advantageous. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to say side effect, but but yeah. you know what I, you know what I'm going for, right? Um, yeah. Is that is that kind of what you're what you're getting at? Yeah, and and to the extent I would even go even further and say that it's it's entirely possible that again that there is no such thing as morality, that moral realism is completely bankrupt, and that this moral sense we have is just a complete illusion that was happened to be advantageous in our evolution, but overall doesn't actually map or correspond on reality in any serious way. I mean that's entirely possible, right? My point is just again just to stress that we can. It seems to me a lot of the moral argument when it's a lot of the times when it's ran, it relies a lot upon this moral intuition. Intuition and in such a way where it's like, well, how else could we explain how we have this moral sense were it not for the fact that a God gave it to us? And it seems to me that we can quite reasonably say, well, we got it from evolution. But again, that's not to say that 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 it's that if I were to or as I'm going to try to start doing now, it's not to say that I would somehow uh, include that or evolution, say, in a, as a principle right. in, in so, framework. so, so I think I think uh, right here I can I can clarify what might be a misunderstanding of the moral argument. So sure. the, the the moral argument doesn't doesn't say um, that that if God did not exist, our moral intuition wouldn't exist. Of course, right? Of course. It, it says that objective moral values wouldn't exist. So so going back to your evolutionary example, so so evolution either we either uh, this might be somewhat of a false dichotomy, but I, I think I'm going to give two uh, categorically opposed positions. So all positions would kind of fall under those two. Um, we either evolved uh, a moral intuition, uh, which at least in part observes real moral facts, uh, or mm-hmm. we evolved a moral intuition that um, is incorrect, uh, but to have false beliefs about moral facts had uh, advantageous. So, um, that yes, yes, that's correct. Right. So, so I think that that actually supports the moral argument because the it's going to say, look, if if God didn't exist, there's no such thing as let's let's call it the moral facts. The evolution counter doesn't actually counter that premise. The evolution says, well, our our moral intuition could have come about by evolution. And that and that's fine. Absolutely. I mean, that's fine. We could we could have evolved, but the question is: Are there moral facts 
that that a moral intuition is observing or is moral intuition just uh, again uh, a wish fulfillment and the more arguments going to say look if there is a realm of moral facts for you know that 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 intuition to observe then god would need to have existed yeah and no that's fair i mean i i i suppose what i i what i'm saying is that uh as it's normally uh, formulated um the second premise right that that typically just goes as objective moral values do exist um, when you actually flesh that out and you actually get the theist whoever's running the argument to unload it it does seem to me that inevitably they do rely upon this sort of moral sense and that's the point that I'm getting at is that once you allow them to do that they do come back to this this sort of moral sense which then could again be explained at least conceivably by other means apart from uh, divine influence or apart from a god and so that's all I'm saying but I, you're right though I mean technically strictly speaking um, especially if they're careful about how they how they actually unload it, perhaps they could do it in such a way that this doesn't really even uh, become relevant, and 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 that's fine. Uh, right, again, but I, th- but- I think I think even at that point, if we're if we're going back, so you know, I might fall and say, well, you know, I'm going to fall back on moral intuition to prove the second premise, or to at least make the second premise more plausible than its negation. Yeah. Um, that 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 I think is the whole crux of it, because in order for um, the atheist like yourself, you're either going to need to say, uh, yes, that's true, there, there, or no, that's not true. There is no such thing as objective moral values, uh, which is easy to, um, to support on, on naturalism. Or you're going to have to say, well, I agree with you that there's objective moral values um, that we can observe, and now I need to show you how that's possible from a non-theistic perspective. Uh, perspective, so I, I think that that actually that that proposition drives the wedge, and and the the problem with with the second premise uh, is going to be well, you you don't I don't need to defend the second premise to someone um, like yourself when you're trying to say well you know moral realism can come about by a non theistic position because at that point we're just stipulating the second the second premise. I would need to defend the second premise to, to a moral nihilist. But once I'm doing that, then we're already past the point of saying that, that you know, uh, yeah, a non-theistic yeah. can, can ground morality. Premise. Yeah, they yeah. would just reject the second premise anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So, again, I, I think that's those are all fair points. I mean, I, I, I suppose on some level um, un, it's undeniably the case that many of these arguments, and this is part of the problem, right, they're not entirely persuasive to any, any given person. And, uh, and I – so I – the moral argument it just doesn't it doesn't seem to really work for me and I I, I am willing um, again not that I want to but if it is the case that there are, you know that that there is no such thing as objective moral values and well that's that's how it is right and then and it, it would just seem to follow at that point uh, especially when you kind of relate as we get into the argument from evil we kind of staple that to that that we would just have an argument that you know one could use against the, the existence of God but but yeah I mean I on on some level. Uh, I, I, I get where you're coming from, and, and that's why I'm not gonna um, I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and claim to to know for right. sure why the moral argument is wrong, and maybe maybe some you know we are in my this I'm in a philosophy religion course as we speak, and we we were kind of talking about that today, where it's sometimes you just sort of come across an argument and you just know something's wrong with it. <laughs> maybe it's hard at first, at least, to to, to really flesh out how, what precisely is wrong with it, but it just yeah. doesn't. Yeah, I, I think I, the value of the moral argument. Um, and and this was this was why I think it was effective for me is because it has a really high price tag. Um, if you're going to either yeah. say it's true, right? You're you're either denying 
uh, I mean, and I, I'm going to use this example. You're either denying that raping and molesting and torturing a small child for fun and profit is is objectively evil, or you're denying uh, that God is required for for objective moral values and duties. So, so in either, so the price tag is high. You you either need to be able to show that a non there's a non theistic grounding for why you know raping and torturing a small child for fun and profit is wrong, or you there's a high price tag to pay. You got to bite the bullet and say yeah you know that's not wrong that there's there's nothing there's nothing immoral about it it's it's just you know we don't we don't like it um so i i think the price tag for the argument um is is a hefty one well that's about it for this first episode of my discussion with Corey markham if you'd like to hear part two and part three subscribe early and subscribe often Uh, i'll be releasing these episodes throughout the coming weeks so i hope you enjoyed this discussion make sure to pick up next time as i continue our talk with Corey on the issue of morality uh different versions of non-theistic possible foundations for objective or or moral realism Uh, and then also we'll eventually get into um his versions of the problem of evil so thank you again for joining us here on the freed thinker podcast as always if you have any questions comments concerns commendations or condemnations feel free to email me at freedthinkerpodcast at gmail.com visit the blog freedthinkerpodcast.blogspot.com find us on podbean stitcher itunes wherever fine podcasts are found thank you all so much for joining us good night and god bless